0: In this series from Advanced Biblical Foundations, The Kingdom of God provides believers with an understanding on how to cooperate with God's kingdom while on earth. Welcome to The Kingdom of God. This is a series that I'm starting. I want to encourage you to get your Bible or your electronic device and follow with me through the scripture. I think this is such an important issue and why it's important is because it was Jesus' primary Uh, It it was his message. Uh, You're going to see as we walk through the scriptures here, especially in this first series, the first part here, is that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as it's referred to in Matthew, and they're basically interchangeable, uh, is referred to over a hundred times in the Gospels. Anything, when you read scripture, when you see something that is emphasized that much, it obviously is very, very important. And so let's just get right into this. This is Matthew chapter four, verse 17. Now, Jesus has been water baptized. The Holy Spirit has come upon him. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then verse 17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amazing. Very first thing he says is repent. Now, again, we think mostly, I grew up in church, and we think of repentance as being really feeling bad about what you did or you didn't do or should have done. And it's sort of, John the Baptist says, repent, you brood of vipers. So it's not exactly, he's like, oh, wow, that's a great word. But actually, the word means to change the way you think. And I really believe that what Jesus is saying here, why he starts this way, because he's saying, look, you're going to have to change the way you think, because the kingdom, what is the kingdom? Well, it's the rule and reign of God. And it's the rule and reign of Jesus. He said, look, the kingdom is at hand. Now, we're going to lay a foundation in this first part, but we're going to follow through. I want to just walk through primarily the, the, um, the scriptures here, especially Matthew, to show how many times in the references to the kingdom. Uh, in verse 23 of chapter 4, it says that Jesus went about all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Let me just stop there for just a moment. This was his primary message. This is what he taught. This is what he shared. Uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and why I want to stop here and make an emphasis, the gospel is good news. It's the declaration or proclamation of all that Jesus has done. But he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, and again, a little difference here than the gospel of salvation. We certainly need to be born again, But we've sort of, in the churches, preached the gospel of salvation is, well, that's the end. If you get born again, that's it. Wow. We're so excited for you to be born again. But his message was the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Why is it different? Well, it's different because salvation is the door. But he's saying, look, I've brought my rule and reign with me. I'm going to show and teach you and instruct you in my way. And in my rule and reign, and I'm going to help you understand how the kingdom is here now. We have a tendency to put things off. We will put them off, well, when Jesus returns, uh, or it's for some other time. He says, no, it's here now. It's at hand. He goes on to say that he healed all kinds of sickness and kinds of diseases among the people. Verse 24, that his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. His kingdom is with power. It's not just a declaration, though it is a declaration, a proclamation of good news, but it comes with power also. Now, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. This particular uh, These chapters have the largest content we have of his Sermon on the Mount. But if you look at uh, chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Constantly, this term is used throughout this. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time today looking at all the intricate details, but chapter 5, 6, and 7 are basically, he's talking about the kingdom. He's not talking, he's not giving us more rules and regulations He is saying, look, I'm after your heart. I'm not interested. I I want you to to live a righteous life, but I'm more after your heart, how you're relating to me and how you relate to one another. When you go to chapter six, he talks about prayer. And it begins and he says, well, this is how you should pray. Verse nine, pray, therefore, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on Earth, as it is in Heaven. Just a couple of points here. We're going to look at these in more detail in a couple of the these sessions following. He is not pray. He said, "Don't pray to get out of here. Pray for my will and my rule and reign to come on Earth." It's really different. So what God is saying is, "Look, I'm not here to take you out. I'm here to empower you, and I want you to even pray." that my rule and reign would come on earth as it is in heaven. Go to chapter 6, verse 33. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Again, the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. Wow. We're going to look at that in more detail. Chapters 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, He he basically is a demonstration of his kingdom. He heals the leper. He walks on the wind and waves obey him. He cast out demons. And then when he comes to chapter 9, verse 35, it says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of sickness and every disease among the people. I keep sharing this over and over again, making a point that this was Jesus' message. This is what he preached. This is what he taught. And this is what he demonstrated. And he told his disciples to do the same thing. Chapter 10, verse 1, when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. But if you go down to verse 7, and he said, "...and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give." So clearly, not only was it Jesus's primary message, but it was also the disciples' message also. Now, I'm just going to walk through real quickly, and I I encourage you, we're going to look at a lot of these in more detail. But when you walk through and see how many times the references to the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, the kingdom of God in Luke, and the other gospels, chapter 13 are parables about the sower and the wheat and the tares, they're all about the kingdom. You come to chapter 16, and we have the revelation of the church. That's interesting. The kingdom is mentioned nearly 100 times or more. Church is mentioned twice. It should give us a pretty good indication that the, the, the church that he reveals here, which we see by the Holy Spirit poured out in Acts, and we're going forward at the church, but the message of the church and the, the mandate of the church is again to preach the kingdom. He said, I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom. So he's giving the church, is supposed to be a representative of heaven, but we're supposed to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom and supposed to be demonstrating the kingdom of God. Look at uh, chapter 18, uh, verse 1 of chapter 18. It says, the disciples came to him saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and Put him in his midst and said, "Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child in my name receives me. Again, kingdom. Parables all the way through. Matthew 18, further in beginning verse 21, he tells the parable about forgiveness. Chapter 20 begins with the parable of the vineyard, and chapter 22, kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. So the bottom line is, the kingdom of God is a very, very, very important message. Now, go to Acts chapter 1, if you will, and I just want to follow through. This is Jesus at the very beginning of Acts in chapter, and you see it started in verse 3. Now, remember, this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. It says, to whom he also presented himself, verse 3, alive after the suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining the kingdom of God. Jesus is still talking about the kingdom. He started about the kingdom and he continues teaching about the kingdom. And being assembled together with them, verse 4, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now verse 6 says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I want to comment on this for just a moment. The disciples, and we're going to look at this in just a moment, the disciples knew that there was a prophecy about the kingdom of God coming. Uh, They were anticipating a Messiah, a king that would come. And they were anticipating that Israel would be restored to the glory days, the glory days of of David and Solomon and the time when Israel was at the height of their, really of the the whole nation. It'd been a a number of years, hundreds of years actually that it'd been very difficult for Israel. At this very present time there under the rule of Rome, it's not a very good time in Israel. They've seen Jesus preach the kingdom, demonstrate the kingdom, and it's like, okay, now, let's go, we're getting ready, this is it. This has got to be it. Because he's still talking about the kingdom of God. And they're saying, is this the time that, that Israel is going to be restored? And he says, guys, it's not for you to know the times or seasons put in the Father's hand. I'll tell you what you do. You wait here and you be in, make sure you're endued with power from upon high to be my witnesses. I'm sure they're going, uh, we were expecting an earthly kingdom to be set up. Well, Jesus didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom he came to set up a spiritual kingdom, and his kingdom is ruling and reigning now. And what he's saying is, he didn't, he didn't not answer their question about when does the kingdom come. He said, this is how the kingdom comes. You be endued with power, and you represent me. And I'm, this is really an important issue, because he didn't say it's not coming. And so what we have here, to understand clearly, we have... He brought his kingdom, his rule and reign. It is here now, not in some way off future time or when he returns a second time, but it's here now. But he's saying the way that it's expanded and the way that we enter his kingdom is by the spirit representing him on earth. If you want to follow through the book of Acts, um, you might want to just write these scriptures down, Acts chapter 8, verse 12. This is where Philip has gone to Samaria, and he's beginning to expand the kingdom. Verse 12 says, And when he believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So the disciples, not only did they get filled with the Spirit, but they also continued preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, there's a number of references here. I'm just going to go ahead and go to the very end of Acts. And this is Acts chapter 28. This is Paul. And this is where Paul is in prison in Rome. At the very end, verse 23. And they appointed a day many came to him his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. Verse 29, And when he had said these things, or that said these words, Jesus departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house, received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So what we have, the last report we have of what the church was doing and the Apostle Paul preaching the things concerning the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want us to go start back at the beginning, turn back to Genesis 1, and just so that we we understand this was God's plan from the very beginning. Genesis 1, verse 26, uh, I'm sorry, verse, I'm going to start in verse 28. Say, God blessed the man that he created, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue do it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over everything, every living thing that moves on the earth. God's plan from the very beginning for man was to represent him. He created us in his image, he created us to have relationship with him, and he created us to have the representing him and representing his authority and dominion on the earth. He put Adam and Eve in the garden, told them to basically tend the garden. Well, obviously, we know that sin entered in and that broken fellowship and lost dominion happened. But look at what Jesus says when he, when he comes. Verse 14, this is chapter 3 of Genesis. He said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed more than all cattle And more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And uh, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, the seed is capitalized there because the prophecy to Abraham is that he would have a seed. Galatians tells us that seed is Jesus. So from the beginning, God's plan was for man to represent him on earth to have a, again, it was a stewardship issue, not an ownership issue. He was to represent God on earth to express the dominion of God. Man lost that. But what, from the very beginning, God's plan was, let's won't get it back. And he did get it back because that seed is Jesus. And we're going to look at his authority in just a minute. Now turn, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 9. Again, these are prophecies concerning Jesus. This should be pretty familiar. It's verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Prophecy that this kingdom is coming. Now turn with me to Daniel. In Daniel chapter 2, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, now remember the children of Israel, have been taken captive. So Daniel is a young Jewish, uh, probably a teenager, but he is in captivity. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he tells all of his magicians and all of, his, all of the sorcerers to say, hey, I want you to interpret my dream. They say, fine, tell us the dream. He goes, no, I want you to tell me my dream and tell me the interpretation they go, well, we can't do that. He said, I'm going to kill all of you then. And so Daniel says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Send word to Nebuchadnezzar that, listen, we serve a God that reveals secrets. And if you'll give us some time, we're going to ask him. So Daniel asked the Lord and it says he was revealed. I'm not going to read all of this in chapter two, but it is a phenomenal story. Well, basically in verse 31, it says, you king, he's telling Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was. "'You were watching and behold a great image. "'This great image whose splendor was excellent "'stood before you, its form was awesome. "'This image's head was of gold, "'its chest and arms of silver, "'its belly and thighs of bronze, "'its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron "'and partly of clay. "'You watched while a stone was cut out without hands "'which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay "'and broke them into pieces.' Then the iron and the clay and the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that there was no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Let's go on, chapter, uh, same chapter, verse 44. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. The kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and it will consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Now that's the kingdom of God. This is the prophecy that they knew about. Now you can go on. There's a number of references in Daniel. But I want to go to chapter seven, verse 13. Now this is again, some later years in Daniel's stay there in Babylon. be destroyed. So what we have here, we have clear indication that from the beginning of time, God's heart was for man to represent him on earth. Man lost that. But then the prophecy started coming that no, God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It's never going to go away. It's going to come. And when it comes, it's going to continue to eliminate all other kingdoms. Now, let me just stop here and just stay because there's the teaching out there that, you know, everything's supposed to be perfect when the kingdom comes. Listen, we live in a time that is basically between the time of the cross and whenever Jesus returns. I don't know when that's going to be. But all I do know is that what Jesus did for us at the cross was an absolute and complete victory. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But we still, this is called the last days or you can call it the church age, but he also refers to it as this present evil age. So we live in this time frame. Clearly, Jesus has gone to the cross and died for us, and he has not yet returned. So we live in this time frame. We still live in this realm. But at the same time, Jesus said at the cross and even before the cross, Look, my kingdom is here. So not only do we live in this, what we call the natural realm, we live in this our flesh and the issues we deal with. But his kingdom is here now. He didn't. It's not going to come somewhere down the road. It's here now. He brought his kingdom. So he's saying, repent. You've got to change the way you think because you've been living in this dimension. But I'm going to tell you, there's a, the kingdom, the rule and reign of God is already working now. That's why he said to pray. What? Pray for his kingdom to come where? On earth praying for his rule and reign to come into this realm. Well, we can begin to live in this realm now. Now, let me just uh, go to Mark chapter 1, another verse here that that uh, signifies where we are. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus consistently preached the good news that the King has come, He's brought His rule and reign with Him, and wow, it's a lot better news after the cross because Jesus paid for our sin, He, he de- dealt with our sickness, He redeemed our life from destruction, He defeated the works of the devil. All of that was for us. Then He went to He then He was He died for us. He was buried and raised from the dead so that we might have life. So he's preaching the gospel of, the, of, the, of kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Very clear, Jesus is saying, no, this is not sometime in the future, this is now. Repent, change the way you think. I've brought my rule and reign, it's here now. It's here, it's available, it's near you, it's within you. And so it's like, well, How does that work? Why, what, why don't we see the, the the full dimension of the kingdom? Well, it's because we're we're living in this time frame between the resurrection of Christ between the, the cross and the resurrection of Christ, and whenever He returns. In this time frame, we know that He defeated the, the works of the devil. In First uh, John chapter three, verse eight, He destroyed the works of the devil, but the devil's still here. He didn't destroy the devil. The devil still roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We're supposed to resist him, but his authority has been broken. Colossians 1 says, we've been delivered from the authority of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. So clearly, what Jesus did at the cross, he broke the power of sin and death in our life. It says, I'm no longer a slave of sin. I am now a slave of righteousness. I'm no longer living under the dominion of, of this world and of Satan. If you're a child of God, you've been born again. You've been transferred over into the kingdom of his beloved son. So clearly, okay, what's going on here? Well, he defeated sin. He forgave us. But there's still sin. I think by his stripes, we're healed. But there's still sickness. And certainly there's still death. But it says he defeated him who had the power of death so that we are no longer fearful of dying. So it's like, okay, wait a minute. So, how, how what's going on here? Well, here's what's going on. We live in this world. It says it's under the sway of the evil one. Now, remember when the, the enemy is coming to Jesus, he said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. And the judgment, it says in John 16, that the judgment of the ruler of this world has already been judged. So if that's all true, then why do we still have all these problems? Because we live in this time frame where we still live in what's called the natural realm. The enemy is still here, sin is still here, sickness is still here, and certainly death is here. 1 Corinthians 15 says the last enemy is death. When that's overcome, then the entire kingdom is presented to the Father. And so that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We live in that. But what Jesus is saying is the kingdom is here too. It's already here. So what, that's why we're to pray for the kingdom to come. That's why we're to live according to the kingdom. The kingdom comes with power. So that is why there's conflict. And that's why there's all the stuff that's going on. Well, everything's not perfect. It will be someday. So the kingdom is here now, but it's not yet to the fullness that it will be. So we live in a time where we're representing representing God again on earth, and that's really what he's called us to do. So all of this, that's why he said, listen, I've got all authority in heaven and earth. Matthew twenty-eight 18. I've got it all. He never lost authority in heaven. Man lost authority in the garden. Jesus got it all back. He said, look, i got all authority in heaven and earth. Now I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and bring forth my kingdom. Teach them exactly what I've taught you. He taught the kingdom. So that's what he's called us to teach the kingdom. Now I want to go to uh, John chapter 3, and I'll close here. Because we mentioned at the very beginning, we've preached a message of salvation. And actually the only time the scripture is even talking about being born again is in John chapter 3. Verse 1, said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, please hear me. We live so much in the natural realm. We're so accustomed to everything. That's why he said, repent. you got to change the way you think. You're thinking earthly. And this is where Nicodemus, he's a teacher. I mean, he I mean, he is not just the average person. He is someone that's uh, he's important. And he's going... What? How are you going to be born again? You're going to enter the mother's womb. He's going, how's that going to work? Jesus is talking spirit. Nicodemus is talking natural. And that's exactly what we're, we're living in now. We're living in the natural realm. Jesus is saying in the spirit, the kingdom is here. It's here now. You can be born again. You must be born of the spirit. Even to see the kingdom. You can't see the kingdom unless you're born again. But listen, he goes on to say, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is he saying? Well, he's saying, I think, the same thing they said in Acts chapter 2. They said, Wow, what do we do? And he said, Men and brethren, this is what you do. You repent, and you be baptized for forgiveness of sin, and you receive the gift of the Spirit for the promises to you and all of those who are far off. So we need to be born again we need to be water baptized, and I'm telling you, we need to receive the power of the Spirit. What happens is, that when we are born again, water baptized, and baptism doesn't save us, but it's understanding <clears throat> what it really means, identification, that the old man is dead, and the new man has come alive, been raised to walk in newness of life in Christ, and then the power of the Spirit, which he told them, said, guys, don't leave here until you're endued with power from on high, because you've got to have the power of the Spirit to, to activate the kingdom. It's activated by faith. It's activated through his word, by the spirit. But it's available today. And so I want to pray for us. I did this sort of a big overview, and now in the, the next uh, different parts, we, the different sessions we go through, I want to talk about some of these in detail. But listen, this is an exciting uh, series that we're doing. We need to understand His kingdom, His rule and reign. It's not put off into some time in the future. It's here now. We have the ability to, to change the way we think and to, and to understand that His rule and reign is here. It's ruling and reigning now. We're supposed to pray for it to come. We're supposed to seek first His kingdom. We're supposed to understand that, that though it's not in the fullness that it will be, It's already here, and we can access it now. So I want to pray for us. Pray that God will help us. Um, If you're not born again, I encourage you to, it says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But I encourage you, let's, um, let's receive everything he has for us, and let's be a representative of his on earth. Father, we love you and bless you, and we thank you so much. We thank you that you have brought your kingdom. It's here now. It's available to us. Wow, it's the rule and reign of God. Lord, you've never stopped ruling and reigning. But Lord, you brought it to earth. You showed us what it looked like. You taught us. You gave us parables. You demonstrated it. And now you're saying, okay, now I want you to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to go do the same thing. Everyone you, you commissioned, you, they did the same thing. They preached the gospel of the kingdom and they demonstrated your power and authority so, Lord, help us to do the same thing. So I pray for everyone that listens and everyone that's watching here that, Lord, you'd help us to have a greater revelation and understanding of you and your kingdom and what it means for us today. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to build a Bible study, which turned into Sojourn Church, now located in Carrollton, Texas. They've never been the same and hope you connect with Christ in the same way. For more, connect to advancedbiblicalfoundations.org.